It wasn't pretty. It wasn't ugly. It was something, but it was a win. And I think that's just about all you can say about it. Locked on Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Tired. It's Very. early for me. It's early for me. <laughs> Well, first of all, thank you for making us your first listen. And um, boy, I'm getting like a spectrum on my head somewhere around here. I don't know. I'm trying to move it around. Um, anywho, Jimmy, um, you know, we, we all thought this might be the return of Joyless Murderball today. There's that spectrum again. Um, and or last night, we all thought Alabama was going to run rough shards over uh, Texas A&M. We thought this would be a blowout of epic proportions. None of those things happened. There were some good. There were some bad. In the end, Alabama gets the win by the skin of its teeth. And, man, I just don't know how to feel. Well, I feel pretty good that they won the game because you came about as close as you possibly can to losing without losing. I mean, they had a play, obviously, at the two- or three-yard line that decided the whole game. Uh, I don't know what the percentage the percentages are in pro football and big time college football of two point plays that work, I would assume well over 50%. And, uh, and, and, and yet there uh, Alabama uh, managed to defend the last play. Uh, I don't think the A&M receiver ran a good route, but I think Terry on Arnold defended it fantastic. And that's being overlooked a little bit. Um, so you came as close as you possibly can to, to a loss, uh, but hey, you know, I'll obviously spend a lot of time talking about this. Um, you know, Kentucky played with a backup quarterback and lost to South Carolina, who's uh, not as good. And, uh, you know, I, I think one thing that was lost in the AM week, and I did this too, so I'm guilty of this myself. You know, modern football, Luke, is all fans really care about is the offense, and Texas AM's offense had been atrocious. Therefore, the take on Texas A&M is they were atrocious. And it's true. Their offense is bad. It's still bad. Nothing about last night changed that. A&M's offense is still not good. But their defense is good. Their defense has been good the whole season. Uh, they haven't the, – the, the defense – I'm not saying it's elite. I'm not saying it's Georgia 2021. I'm just saying that our, A&M's defense is good. They're certainly talented. Most of their defense will one day play in the NFL – um, that, that was a, uh, a good defense. And I think all week, one thing we missed is, as uh, journalists covering Alabama football, uh, we probably didn't play up enough how good A&M's defense is. Because, again, I think the modern team is on offense. That's what they are. And that's why there was this take that A&M's really, really bad. Well, defensively, they're pretty good. Uh, even in their losses, they weren't, they weren't that bad. First of all, you offended the entire journalistic community by calling us journalists along with them. So just you're off to a great start. Sure. Um, but no, look, I, here's the thing. I, I, I Here's one way I envy Auburn fans. <laughs> wow. I know, but listen to me. They, they would have partied after that win. They would have enjoyed it, reveled in it. Um, 
appreciated it. Forget the, you know, they would have saved the, oh, my God, we could have lost. Oh, my God, we have a quarterback that doesn't hang on to the ball. Oh, my goodness, do we have any um, – do we have – uh, an offensive line that can get any kind of push when we need them, you know, all these things. Oh my gosh, we're back into having kicker problems. That they would, they wouldn't have dwelled on that immediately. They would have let all that go, enjoyed the win, deal with the nitpicking of how you could have lost later on. At least the Alabama fans that I know and that I saw on Al Gore's interwebs, they went straight into that. I mean, there's there's Milrow bashing. There's what's wrong with Reichert. We need a whole new offensive line. Um, uh, outside of Jameer Gibbs, how many true weapons do we have? Blah, 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 blah. That's a good question. Now, that's and, a good question. Uh, that's not a bad question. That's it's a not point. a bad question. I'm just saying it wasn't the time to ask it. Right. Um, oh, no, no, that's a great point. You're, you're making a great point. That's so true. And I, I did the same thing, so I'm not jumping anybody's case here. I mean, I – you know, I, I watched it at home with a buddy of mine, and, you know, we just sort of like, God, thank God that's over. Instead of reveling in the moment, like, hey, we just beat A.M. And forget that they're a 20-point, four-point underdog. Forget that part. Because upsets happen, especially when you have backup quarterbacks. I know technically A&M also had their backup quarterback. Technically. But their yeah. backup quarterback is much more seasoned than ours. Yeah. Ours is probably more talented in terms of natural gifts, but he is certainly not as gifted of a passer. And I think that's where we can start with this is, look, we all assumed that we can take care of Texas A&M all week. We, we all, everybody was like, we can beat Texas A&M without Bryce Young. And, um, Jimmy, I really do feel like I'm talking to a hologram. <laughs> maybe you are maybe i'm still asleep i told you it was going to be early for me maybe maybe i am still asleep and i sent my dream state to do the show <laughs> um so yeah that, that, boy milro man huh? i feel for let me tell you i feel bad for him he's catching a lot of heat he deserves some of it okay the way he carries the ball is infuriating he's not I'm not going to say nobody can carry the ball that way. Patrick Mahomes can carry that, the ball that way. Michael Vick could carry the ball that way. Dudes who are really special and, can, uh, and know that they're carrying the ball that way can carry the ball that way. He cannot. And he got so um, – I think he got rattled by the fact we didn't score on our first drive, right? And then he started saying, okay, maybe I need to stay in the pocket a little long. Then he stays too long. Because I think you're trying to find that sweet spot of as a quarterback of, okay, I, I know now my offensive line's about to give it up, so I got to get out of here. But he was trying to hang in for another minute because, again, he's heard all the same things um, too. It's like your face is dented in, Jimmy. Yeah, that is terrible. I need to – there was a, a family guy where, uh, where, where Stewie created uh, clones uh, – uh, he created a clone of himself and a clone of uh, Brian, uh, the dog, and uh, he, he, the the clones were terrible. They, they, the 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 bodies were malfunctioning horribly, and the IQ points were down about eighty to ninety points from the the first clone. <laughs> so the clones were like really really terrible, and that's kind of how this is. This is like <laughs> anyway. It's like one um, of Stewie's clones. It's like Jalen Milrow heard all the talk and he's like, okay, um, maybe these folks are right. It, 
it wasn't as if he was playing with like this added edge of I'm going to prove you wrong. It the his body language screamed to me, "Hey, I need to sit back here because people people don't think I can. It's not because or people think I should. It's not because I want to do it to prove them wrong." And um boy, he just he, he's got to know what what he's good at. What he's good at is when the pocket breaks down, he he runs. Now, yes, I would love for him to be able to go through his checks, make a great pass, but midway through the second quarter, he started not, I don't know, pushing the ball to people. Uh, there was a little pass, I want to say it was to uh, Jermaine Burton on a little rollout where um, it looked like we were going to hand off and then he, Jermaine Burton's coming across nearly uh, just in front of the line of scrimmage and he just sort of pushes it to him. And I'm thinking – Buddy, you, this I don't want you to get in this kind of habit. You can't place the ball. Uh, it, you can't. Bryce, Bryce Young can place the ball. You can't. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. There are not many people who can do what Bryce Young can do. But he needs to um, find himself and know what he does well. And I think we overreacted to how well he played against Arkansas and um, underreacted to some of his poor passes against Arkansas. And we said, well, we'll get that fixed. I mean, we didn't get it fixed. Well, I didn't think we would make Jalen Milrow a quality passer in a week. <clears throat> I mean, I, I think that's going to be a four-year process, um, much similar. That's why I always, from day one, and people can probably see now a little why, I've always compared Milrow to Jalen Hurts. I think it's a really good comparison. I think it's uh, – uh, it's an apples to apples thing in terms of developing as a passer. You've already got this one guy who's capable of helping you and win, but he needs to really improve the passing portion of his game. So he could potentially even one day play pro football because he has that sort of capability. And that's what happened with Hertz. And I think that's what, what is trying to be done here with Milro. And I, you know, I'm, I, I'm looking forward to watching the, the tape again, as I'll do, and, and post series by series on Bam Insider, as I do every week now. I'm looking forward to that greatly, and I think I'll have it. I think what happened last night is super complicated. And it's super complicated by the fact that Jalen Hurts analogy, but I hope it makes sense to those of y'all who really remember that, that four years well. I think – what we could do last night and, and what would have worked really well last night was Jalen Hurts 2016 when Jalen was a freshman, which was basically his high school offense, which was – and Lane Kiffin invented this on the fly like he's so good with, and that's a one read and run. You know, you take the snap, you look for your one read that you're given, and the guy's there or he's not, and from that point you either take off or scramble around and it's backyard football and somebody will eventually break open or just run. And that's the whole offense. And that was, and that worked. Alabama won the SEC. He got all the way to the national championship game, lost by one second, because that was the best offense that, that worked with the quarterback at that time. Well, Nick Saban himself has said publicly, this isn't scoop. This is Nick Saban himself publicly. He said, I'm not sure we did Jalen Hurts any favors in 2016. And what he meant by that was we didn't teach him how to be a quarterback. <laughs> you know, we taught him we, – we basically played his fifth year of high school because it was what the team needed to, that gave us our best chance to win games. But it wasn't doing Jalen Hurts any favors because for him to improve as a quarterback, he needs to sit in the pocket and learn how to make reads and go through his progressions and not be one read and run because that's not going to work for four years and certainly not going to work in the NFL. 
Right. So we've been working on Jalen Milrow doing those things. So for the year and a half that Milrow's been on the team, it's all been about sit in the pocket, go through your progressions, don't run. But then now we're in this emergency and we need you now and you're not ready to be the type of quarterback we're training you to be. You, you are ready to be 2016 Hurts. And I think one of the ugliness of last night was it was sort of a mashup of, hey, forget everything we've taught you for a year and a half. Go back to what you did in the 12th grade and what you've learned for the past year and a half. Oh, and we beat this in his head too. Don't make mistakes. Do not turn the ball over. We'll win the game unless you turn the ball over. And I think that led to a lot of hesitancy, which is why he held on the ball so long. I will be back with the with Locked On Bama, The Conjuring, and the ghost of Jimmy Stein here in just a minute. <laughs> yeah, we might ditch the background. We might ditch the background. We'll, we'll see. It's, it's no, still no, no, no. There you cannot. You much, cannot. Like Mil, much like Milrow, the background is a work in progress. <laughs> All right. I need to tell everybody about Simply Safe now. This is one of our new sponsors. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only concern that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe right here in my own house. That's the truth. They protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. I know my wife had a situation. Um, it turned out to be a big nothing burger, but she had the uh, protection and the security of Simply Safe, and it really made her feel a ton better. And, um, you know, she, she really did. It's rare you brag on gadgets or uh, devices or services in your own home. And she did that. So that was actually really cool. That's about the, the, the best advertisement I can do for you is when your wife's bragging on something you've got in your house that's just there for a service. That's pretty awesome. With 24-7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com backslash locked on college. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com backslash locked on college to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. <clears throat> All right, Jimmy. It really does look like you um you died last night, which I think we would all understand. And then they buried you in the cemetery across from the stadium, and now you're haunting that stadium for the rest of your days. I think that's how you're gonna die. That, yeah, I'm going to say this could really that that could really I think you just perfectly laid out what's going to happen at the end for me. That's probably it is Halloween accurate. month. <laughs> That's extremely accurate. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's say this um, last night. I want to throw this in there because I don't want to miss this very important piece of news. Ryan Williams, the electric, incredible, fun sophomore from Saraland, committed to Alabama during the game which is really awesome. We don't need to spend a lot of time on it right this minute. I just, you know, even as a recruitnik, all right, I'm trying to read about the game afterwards, and it was almost like the Ryan Williams commitment seemed like an afterthought because everybody was panicking so much that nobody really talked about how big a deal getting Ryan Williams is. I know he's only a sophomore. There's plenty of time to change his mind. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to end up at Alabama. But um, anyway, I just thought that was a big deal. And sometime on this week on this podcast – we will wax poetic about that. So I want everybody to understand that. Now, 
Um, let's let's give a big shout out to Jameer Gibbs. This guy is really finding his groove. Um, he is now third in the SEC with rushing yards with 500 and I think 32 yards total. So the last two games, he's about put up all the rushing yards for this season. Um, he's he's well on pace now, I think, to to break the thousand yard barrier. And it didn't look like we were going to have anybody come close to that a couple of games ago. Um, so that's good for Jameer Gibbs. Let's also say, man, I, hey, the Ryan Williams commitment, I, I wish he could play for us a little bit sooner. I'm, I'm being less – I'm, I'm more and more concerned about our wide receivers. Look, I know passing quarterbacks, Haynes King was the better passing quarterback last night, but, dude, his wide receivers helped him out a ton. I mean, they helped him out a lot. Evan Stewart and Evan Stewart in particular, who's going to be obviously one of these three and done freaks. I mean, Evan Stewart's really, really good. Uh, you know, I, I agree a hundred percent that the biggest problem unit on the team, I mean, you know, in terms of going forward and Alabama's chances of success, uh, the wide receiver unit is, is an issue. Um, and this is, this is what I would, what I would say. I mean, it's it's the biggest issue on the team. And it, it almost comes down to this, Luke. There is not a receipt. We, we play, we're playing six, really. Now, we, we've got a first team rotation of six, which is ample, but it's Burton, Brooks, Holden, JoJo Earl, Kobe Prentice, and Isaiah Bond. Those six guys. Those are the six that are playing for now. And that might that, that lineup may change and, and it may need to change. But those are the six. If you were to tell me that we're putting those six names in a hat and we're going to pull one out and that guy's going to be unable to play next week. Would it matter? Would it matter what name we pull out? I mean, what, 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 what are, is there anyone we would miss if they weren't there? No. And that's a damning thing to say about a group because I'm referring to the group. I'm not picking on one guy. I'm, I'm saying no one has made themselves critical our success no one uh they've all which is a good thing we've seen jermaine burton be as good as we thought he might be we've seen jacory brooks be as good as we hoped he might be we've seen holden have a big game earlier this year he's playing banged up now bond and prentice have had their freshman wow freshman superstar moments much like evan stewart did last night for AM. we've seen bond make a big play we've seen prentice make a big play we've seen jojo make a big play and we know what kind of talent he's got but none of the six has made themselves critical to our success. And that what that's what has to change. They're not dependable. I'm not comparing them to Devontae Smith. That is a completely unfair comparison. But I bring it up to say this. I made a joke one time on Twitter, got about 1,000 likes. And, and it, was a, it was a joke, but it was also an assessment of how good Devontae is. I said in the middle of all of Devontae's success that eventually led to a Heisman Trophy, I tweeted, I have no idea where Devontae Smith is right now, but I know this, he's open. Yeah. That 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 rings really hollow right now with our wide receiver crew. Because oh. I'll tell you, I don't know where those six guys are right now, but I'll tell you this, they ain't open. Hmm. They don't get open. They don't make themselves an obvious start. Devontae Smith got open against any defense, any defensive back. He was wide open and made himself a fantastic target. We don't have a guy doing that right now. And I'm not asking them to be Smitty, I'm not asking them to be a Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver or a first round pick, but they're not helping the quarterback. And Saban said it in his post game press conference. People wanted Saban to be real critical of Jalen. If 
first thing he said was, when the quarterback's out, everyone has to play better. Everyone has to play better. Wide receivers need to play better. Running backs better. Offensive line better. It didn't. It didn't happen last night at all. And and and, and Jalen needed help because he's a freshman. And uh, the one thing that will also get me on a rant is both teams play backup quarterbacks. Haynes King is a year older. Haynes King has started six freaking games. That was his sixth start. That's half of a season. He won the job and was their first team quarterback through two fall camps. Two fall camps he won the job. Comparing, that's that's outright. That's lazy. That's lazy. Anybody that compares those situations. No, I totally agree. And I mean, that's just Jimbo trying to, you know, look. I get it. You're trying to throw out, re, you know, make your team feel better about itself. I, I get that. Um, oddly, I think this is Texas A&M's best performance of the year and the thing that they will hang their hat on. Again, it for Texas A&M fans who were starting to jump off the Jimbo train, this is the moment that will get them back on, even though they lost. That's what's kind of weird about this. Jimmy, I need to tell everybody about betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for your football betting. All of it this season. Find all the latest developments on the players, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every single game you can find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every single sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, golf, boxing, whatever, and especially NFL and college football. Head to BetOnline.net today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online is where the game starts. I like to do a little special freaky well, thing at the end every time to make everybody remember it. That was um, good. If you don't, here's our new tagline. If you don't go to betonline.net, Jimmy will haunt you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <clears throat> um, let me think. Bill O'Brien, um, just give me a minute. Just give me a minute. I dare I say that he's nobody's infatuated with the guy anymore, right? Nobody is. Um, I think he has become every team has a scapegoat. He has been the scapegoat for most of the year. Um, he most of the last two years, he is, is not always warranted. I think last night is definitely warranted. I thought last night was some of his worst play calling. I wondered last night we had there was a um on Jalen Milrow's second fumble. We had run the ball twice, had done really well, or run the ball a few times and gotten a first down. I don't remember the exact um, lineup because I hadn't rewatched the game yet. It came on too late, and I, you know, just hadn't had time. But then he threw a he called a pass play, and Jalen stood back there too long. Now some people want to blame that on Jalen. I get it, but you also have to understand the mindset of your quarterback. And at that time, the mindset of the quarterback is. Okay, this is a pass play. I need to stand back here, be calm, like everybody said. Uh, it's, back, it's breaking down, but I still need to stay back here. And then he carries it like a loaf of bread, like we've all seen him do, which, again, you should know that as his offensive coordinator, and he fumbles. But I really feel like if we run the ball right there and if we continue to run the ball, at the very least, we go down and get a field goal. I truly believe that. Instead, if I remember right, that, was, that led to Texas A&M's second touchdown. And – I, there was the the play call when we needed the first down. We get one first down, it's over. We, we get one first down towards the end of the game, it's over. We run Jameer Gibbs a couple of times. Uh, we get to his third and two. 
And then we bring Jameer Gibbs across on the little jet sweep. We don't even fake it to him, and we hand it to Jace McClellan up the middle. When we haven't been getting push up the middle all day, why not either pitch it to Jameer Gibbs, who's had the uh, incredible game, or fake it to Jace McClellan, let Jalen Milrow try and get it on his own. Granted, he'd already had two fumbles. Jace already had a fumble. So that argument's out the window, if you ask me. Um, I just feel like, uh, you know, and there are a lot of other plays that were just very questionable. Um, Bill O'Brien needs to get more in touch with the 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 college game, and, and that may sound silly. I, look, and he knows more about college football than I do, I think, I hope. Um, but you said something about Lane Kiffin adjusting the offense for Jalen Hurts and how – Saban later said, well, that did, we didn't do Jalen any favors. Here's the thing. Alabama doesn't exist to make Jalen Hurts or Jalen Milrow or Bryce Young a, a pro quarterback. We exist to try and win football games. And yes. so if that means that we have a quarterback that is a one-read, then take-off guy until he develops, so be it. And maybe that is how you develop. You, I don't think you develop telling a guy, look, you need to go through all three reads, and then you need to use that gazelle-like speed you have if it's not there. No. Right now, Jalen Milrow is in a different place mentally. Tell him, look for your first read, scramble around a little bit, go ahead and get out of the pocket because we have we didn't hold a great pocket for you last night. A&M's got some dudes along the defensive line. They do. And, and uh, you know, then take off. The lanes were there. And when he used them, it was great, but he didn't use them enough. Well, I think, you know, another thing is sometimes things are so much more clear to me in retrospect, like Pat Dye said, you know, uh, hindsight is 50-50. Um, and, and, and using my 50-50 hindsight, you know, this is by far the most criticism uh, I've seen uh, Bill O'Brien get. He's gotten a lot of criticism. Even last year when Alabama finished sixth in the nation in offense, he still got a lot of criticism for that and is getting a lot of criticism this year and even more after last night. I think in hindsight, I should have seen this coming because the obvious game plan when you have, when the defense has been playing, other teams offense has been bad and you have a literally a freshman quarterback making his first start, there is an obvious game plan. And that is this, don't lose the game. Don't lose the game. So it was going to be, a highly conservative approach and nothing pisses off fans more than highly conservative offense. And I think the fact that there was already a lot of O'Brien criticism, then throw in a highly conservative approach. And it was sort of the, uh, the, the, the oily rags meet the paint thinner meets the spark in the garage uh, in, in terms of getting everybody fired up. But I, I believe in terms of when I rewatch the game, what I expect to see is a lot of don't lose the game. Don't lose the game. Jalen, don't lose the game. Let's not lose the game. Then it's compounded when you actually do make four turnovers, penalties that add up to almost 90 yards, two missed field goals by Will Reichard. That's true. You think my, my hologram is scary. How about the Twilight Zone? performance by Will Riker, that second miss in particular was just flat out bad. The first one was a long kick, but wow, two missed field goal. If you'd have told me before the game, Luke, four turnovers, two missed field goals, 90 yard, almost 90 yards and penalties, I would have said, we lost to AM again. Yeah. But we didn't. And we, did. we only got 
uh, a defensive back finally got an uh, interception. That that's that's a positive. Um, yep. And look again, I'm not. I I can't stand it when people just rail on the officials, and I'm not. So I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to say it's weird that we have Chris Braswell, Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, probably the the best trio of pass rushers on any team anywhere. And there have only been three holding calls called. Two. I uh, think two. And, oh, it's only two, and one of them was nullified by an offset penalty? Is it one? Right. Okay, so there have only been two holding calls on our opponents in six games. And, you know, again, I get it. You miss calls. I'm, I'm fine with that. It's just weird. And it's really weird, and it's, it pisses me off when I hear about Alabama getting all the calls and blah, blah, blah. Nobody calls holding against us ever. They they never call it. We have and to. Was, you have cannot to tell me. Team. We have to. I don't know what the stats are. We got to find out the stat. We have to be one of the most penalized teams while also not being given, you know, penalty yardage. And uh, I wasn't a fan of that pass interference call at the end when Branch was actually more. It was more of a hold than a pass interference yeah. anyway. If if you're going to call anything, but if you're calling pass interference, then the ball has to be catchable. It was catchable by Jordan Battle. It was going to be caught by Jordan. If Brian Branch did not exist, if he was the hologram that I am right now on YouTube, if, if, if Branch was a hologram and not a player and was not out there and we played with 10, Jordan Battle was picking off that ball. It was thrown directly to him at a place. He overthrew the receiver, hit Jordan Battle in the nine. That's why, If that's pass interference, that's a bad call. If you're calling holding, all right, I'll live with that because then it doesn't matter that the ball is catchable or not. But, Jimmy, let me say this. I think that um, it actually benefited us. The two things that – this is why I hate talking about officials because even when people talk about officials, we end up getting screwed by the officials when they help us usually. (laughs) But one thing really hurt us that was interesting, the two – False start penalties late in the game where it was fourth and eight. The first one takes it back to fourth and 13. They're still going to go for it. I wanted them to still go for it. I was like, it's going to be hard to get 14 or 13 yards right here. And then they push them back to the 18. And I was like, I don't want this because they're not going to go for it. They're going to kick it and they're going to get it. And then all of a sudden the, the honest is around our neck again about having to get that first down. And that's exactly how that went down. And then the one thing that did help us on the pass interference call I think was better than holding because I don't think holding would have taken it to the two yard line. I think holding would have been half the distance. And if holding goes half the distance, they have more space to work with. And you can say, well, don't you want to be closer? I think in most cases, yes, but we knew Jimbo was going to throw the ball to Evan Stewart. We knew that. I mean, everybody knew that. And I don't blame them because he's a badass. but we, if, if there was a threat that he was going to hand it off up the middle to A-Chain, then I would say, yes, we we want him further back. But there wasn't – nobody on the planet thought A&M was going to run the ball right there, even though I will swear to my dying day they should have run the ball right there, and I think they get in. Uh, yeah, I did, if I was an A&M fan, I'd be furious about the play call. But at the same time and, – and it's a great example of the Bill O'Brien stuff. I think A&M fans this morning all over are furious about the play call and what they chose to do on the, on the final play. But here's another fact, as Chris Doring pointed out on SEC Network, it's not just Jimmy here, it's Chris Doring. Uh, Evan Stewart did a really poor job on that route. He that, did. That's, not, that's not the way you execute that route. 
And Doring said, this is where Doring said it, not me. Doring said, had Evan Stewart run the right route, he was there and he, and he would have caught the ball and the game would have been over and AM would have won. I ain't going that far. But I agree with Doring that Evan Stewart didn't run the route well. And in the end, it doesn't matter what play is called. If you execute it correctly, you've got a much better chance of success. And Alabama's problem last night was execution and errors. And uh, I'm not sure the offensive line had its best game, probably playing against its best competition. So that makes sense. But uh, I think it just all added up. And the team did not do enough to help Milrow. Milrow did not do enough to uh, to win the game, frankly. I mean, sort of had to overcome his performance a little bit. But, uh, hey, when you play without your quarterback, ask Kentucky how that goes. A lot of teams played with backups, and just about all of them lost, and we came close to losing. Uh, finally, Jimmy, even if he catches the ball, uh, watching the replay, he, he's not in. He's not. He's in not the end zone. We could have. No. We could have tackled him. Now, again, that was the route because I, yeah. I don't. I don't think that he ran. Again, yeah, I, I don't think Evan Stewart ran a good route there, which is hard to believe. But guess what? He's a freshman too. Yeah. He, he is a badass, but he's a freshman too. Whew. All right, buddy. Look, we got a lot more to talk about this game. And then, I mean, we barely get to talk about all we want to talk about with this game and then get ready for what will be obviously. This is going to be our best week of Locked On ever. Because ever. Y'all got to stay tuned. Y'all got to share it. You got to subscribe. On, on the Texas A&M game. But we have to get ready for the biggest game of the year. Look, I'll tell you how important this next game is. Jimmy's dead, and he's come back I'm from the grave to haunt this program. <laughs> I'm still doing the show despite death. You think the postman's cool because he delivers weather and slow and snow and sleet? I'm doing the show dead. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for today's Locked on Bama. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, roll tide. Roll tide.